Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. So this is a a very special episode. We we haven't done this in a long time, more than a year. More than a year. The the last time we did it, we were outside and there was this, you know, talk about a pandemic coming up. We talked to Clay Jenkins, the county judge in Dallas County. We had no idea what to expect. No, we were were comparing cases. Yeah, we compared it to Ebola. Hey, how will you take the lessons from Ebola and apply it to this? Not even close. It seems like a lifetime ago when we think about that. And that was in downtown Dallas. uh, And that's the last time that we were together. And here we are again in downtown Dallas, more than a year later. Uh, and this is our first time out and about actually seeing each other and being together. And, uh, yeah, Wheeler wanted to get together. I'd prefer to do this at home in my shorts and just sitting around the house doing the Zoom. But uh, Wheeler convinced me to come down here. But nevertheless, we are at one of the coolest places in downtown. I've driven by this building for years mm-hmm. and, and saw it. It's this cool, you know, mid-century architecture. Never really knew what it was. It sat vacant for a long time. It seems like it was being remodeled forever. Yeah. Uh, and and you wondered, what's going on in there? Well, uh, you know, it you know changed hands a few times and some different projects were underway. And then you walk in here now and they've given us the nickel tour. Uh, and it is jaw-dropping what they've been yeah. able to do inside here. And you think, I never knew that that was sitting under our noses here in downtown Dallas. The building is called the National. There's a hotel in here. It's called Thompson Dallas, 220-room hotel. Here's what I didn't know about this until a few moments ago when we got this quick tour. When this building opened in 1965 at the corner of Main and Ackert, I believe is where we are. Mm-hmm. When this opened in 1965. Elm, Elm and Ackert, isn't Elm it? Elm and Ackert. Is that right? Yeah, I'm getting yeah. a Elman nod. Main? I'm getting a All nod right, that good. says yes. Elm and Ackert. Um, we're on Elm Street. Uh, not or as too, they say in Dallas, Elm. Elm. Not deep, just, just Elm. Yeah, just regular. But when this opened in 1965, it was the tallest building west of the Mississippi, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. And it sat vacant for 10 years. Bank of America was here. They moved out uh, in, in 2010. And this has become the largest preservation project in the state of Texas. And this thing is incredible. This building is. And we're in what I think, it, I don't get out a lot, but this is probably the coolest place I've been to in a long time. The, the Catbird. Yes, it is. On the ninth floor. It is beautiful inside, and if you do make your way down here, you've got to go in and check out the bar, just the surface of the bar. I haven't seen anything like it. It's like it's like geodes that are all lit up, and it makes up the entire surface of the bar, and it is just stunning. I've never, it, it's, it's so unique, you, totally one of a kind. You went straight to the bar. I, haven't I went yet. straight to the bar. <laughs> I think that the GM was still talking. He was like mid-sentence, and I just like made a beeline to the bar and, you know. All right, so we're, we're ta- started talking to you instead. We're talking about the place we're at. Uh, we have Zach from the Catbird here, and, and these guys have been great and uh, brought us a, a bucket of, of different local craft beer here hmm. that we're going to share in just a moment. I have dry mouth, so I'm going to let Zach uh, come here. I'm going to share my mic here. Tell us, tell us what we have here. All right, we've got a couple of selections of uh, local beers here. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with the beers. We've got the Revolver Blood and Honey. Nice. Revolver uh, here in uh, Granberry, I believe. 
It's absolutely delicious. A little bit of blood orange in there, a little bit of local honey. Can't go wrong. It is a little bit higher ABV, so okay. be careful, y'all. Take it easy. <laughs> exactly. Govern yourself exactly. accordingly. Uh, then we also have the Texas Blonde from Wild Acre huh. out in Fort Worth. Really nice, refreshing beer. Patio pounder. You can get this out of the swimming pool all the time. I will give this to you. That is a good pop of the top there, too. <laughs> I do my best, y'all. Uh, patio pounder. And uh, <laughs> for the last one, we also have a non-alcoholic beer. This is from Athletic Brewery. Oh, Brewing. You can put that one back. Okay, I'll go and put this <laughs> back in there. But it's from San Diego. You don't have to worry about it. We'll look at it. And we do have a couple of other non-beer options for uh, people that don't necessarily like it. Right. One of my favorites in Bishop Ciders out in Austin. This is the um, apple pineapple. Oh, nice. Once again, really nice patio pounder. Get this out by the pool. Good Absolutely summer. Delicious. Yeah, good summer drink. Would you like me to pop this one as well, no, no, or are we no. waiting? Don't, don't open them all just yet. All right, we'll all right. we'll open one for our guest in a moment. What's this red one here, though? Okay, this is one of the newer ones we just got. This is also from Austin Company. This is a Paloma. So, um, are you guys familiar with Paloma cocktail? I, I am not. I have no idea. No. Wonderful classic cocktail, uh, fresh grapefruit, a little bit of lime, and tequila. So tequila, get the okay. same thing. It should be a Jalisco tequila in here, and also really, really tasty, very refreshing, and one of my favorites as well. I do like grapefruit. Hmm. Well, well, yeah. I'll take that one to go. <laughs> I can do that for you. Awesome, Zach. <laughs> Thanks crazy so much, straw. I appreciate y'all. Enjoy yourself. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank, you, very Thank well. you for having us, too. So, our guest today, we're going to let her pick her. She has her own private bucket over oh, here. Oh, she has with, her own yeah, bucket. So she, she can take uh, whatever wow. she wants. Courtney Garrett, she's the president of Downtown Dallas, Inc., and uh, your your offices are here in this building, too. So, when, when we set this thing up, I just thought we were going to a very cool, latest preservation project, this, this cool building downtown. I didn't realize you you're here all the time i am lucky girl i am <laughs> yeah, indeed so the ddi world headquarters moved in here in december <laughs> the, the global headquarters welcome that to yolitics you are our first guest in in, in a, person a year and a half yeah. yeah i know we may have some treats to celebrate that later but oh. I'll, you know what uh, I, i'll tease that I, I told i told scott goldstein from your staff i want that app on my phone where i can change the bank of america tower colors <laughs> how can i get that can you set me up with that Absolutely. Good. You have the power to do that, don't you? Oh, we control a lot of lights. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. You know, I love that we are connecting with you in this building, though, because this is what it has become all about, not just in Dallas, but, you know, you go to Houston, San Antonio, Austin. Everybody's trying to do this where you create a community in place, a, a vertical community. In this building, we've got this great place where we are right now, Catbird. Uh, you have residences in this building. You have a hotel in this building. You have retail in this building. You have your offices in this building. And this is really the way that downtowns get revitalized because you've got what you need in place and you don't feel like you're in a desert for one thing or the other. Absolutely. I mean, this building, I think, represents all of downtown's revitalization because that's truly what we've done over the last 25 years with reinvestment is create the density in a place where you can do all. And it's a place for all where you can do all. And we talked a little bit um, in some of the lead up about building complete neighborhoods and the importance of connecting housing to jobs, to services and amenities. And this building is doing it right here. But then you walk out the front door and you have a whole host of other things you can do and see and be a part of. So it's really incredible. This building is also the last vacant building to be done out of 40 vacant buildings that downtown were here in downtown just again 20 years ago hmm. uh, so were, this is a, a momentous occasion for this building to be here and for you all to be here for your first in-person show so yeah back that up so there were 40 vacant buildings and now they've all been redone absolutely 1996 we had 40 vacant buildings that is stunning and oh my we gosh. now sit with zero 
That is impressive. Really incredible. That yeah. was, there's the headline right there. That is great. So that leads me right into asking about this because we're you know coming off of the worst of the pandemic now, uh, and we know that that has been difficult for office space. You know, a, a lot of companies rethinking things. Uh, we know that people have been rethinking how they live, where they live, and so forth. We know that this has been really hard on a lot of small businesses in particular. What has the toll been like down here when you got to the worst of it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, the most surreal moment was in that probably first two or three days of the mandated shutdown when we literally saw 135,000 office workers leaving their offices. People were walking down the street with their monitors. Mm. And you understood at that moment what truly this impact could potentially be. Now, fortunately, we've had 12,000 residents move into downtown over that same period of time, revitalization investment. So we have a neighborhood here. So, of course, the residents stayed, but you still had, I mean, you, you think about your daytime population decreasing from 135,000 to at best maybe 2 or 3% of that in the very beginning to just your residents. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was a really big moment for us all to realize we need to be prepared. So I think the first couple of months really were in this, we don't know what to expect mode, but we as an organization, I'm really proud. We are an essential service. We have a clean team and a security team who are out on the street seven days a week. They never stopped. And our team quickly mobilized to look at what could the potential impact of this be and what do we need to do to support the community. And fortunately, we went into the pandemic in such a strong position over $11 billion invested in the revitalization of downtown leading into that $4 billion of projects that were under construction March 12th, 2020. Mm. $4 billion. $4 billion. Wow. And at that very first moment, we didn't know what was going to happen to those projects. Now, fast forward 60, 90 days, and now where we are today, none of those projects have been derailed. Awesome. Huge positive indicator. We're seeing the interest from both coasts and the stress in other markets. We just had the news of the Integrity Marketing Group lease at Fountain Place, 100,000 square feet, one of the largest recent leases in downtown. So the positive indicators are coming back. But I will tell you, those first few days leading into the first 6090, we we didn't know what to expect. Mm, this is a scary time. Yeah. yeah. I, I bet you were. Yeah, we, we work downtown. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we haven't been, we're, we're told to come back to work soon. Well, wait, I've been doing it all along. I've still been driving down to work every day and even during the pandemic. And I will say that I can only imagine what it must be like if you are heading up a place called Downtown Dallas, Inc. Right. Because there were a lot of days that in my, the middle of my work day, I could strap on some rollerblades, uh, get on a bike, and I could just go down Main Street. I mean, there was nobody. Right. And I can only imagine what that must have felt like. And that's extraordinary that none of the construction projects went away. In fact, you all didn't like, you know, just, you know, sit on your laurels last year and kind of wait to see how we came out of this. Didn't you all get kind of aggressive in going after companies like relocations? We absolutely did. We we mobilized a recovery plan very quickly. Again, within the first 90 days, we retooled our entire team and you were either on crisis management and communications because we run all the emergency networks for downtown or you were on the, the recovery team. So we've doubled down on our marketing nationally to tell the downtown Dallas story and work with these companies and investors who are interested in coming in. Right now we have more out of market development interest than I've seen. I've, I've been with DDI for 19 years, hmm. uh, probably more than I've, I've ever seen. Uh, so we have been very aggressive in that and also aggressive in our hospitality marketing. 
obviously, as you said, the small business and the hospitality industries have been affected the most. So we have doubled down on staycation marketing, on drive time travel to help support these small businesses and our hotels. Fortunately, we're seeing convention business go up. We're seeing our restaurants coming back. We actually opened more restaurants last year than closed. Huh. And we certainly, I mean, we, we miss and hope that those that closed will end up coming back. But we've had a, a pretty positive, you know, I call Dallas the slow and steady market. Slow and steady wins the race, right? So we don't have the peaks and valleys that the other yeah. coasts do. But we certainly are able to weather these storms in a much more positive and sustainable way. Hmm. Courtney, where's the interest from? What, what uh, East Coast, West Coast, everywhere? Primarily, I would say West Coast. We are seeing some East Coast, a um, little bit coming out of Chicago. But really, I mean, it's it's pretty intuitive. And frankly, it's what was happening pre-pandemic. The pandemic has just put a big magnifying glass on it. Those stressors where you have high taxes, yeah. highly regulated markets. Now, all of a sudden, those business businesses are waking up and saying, gosh, we can go into a place that is more business friendly, more cost effective. And because of the development improvements that have been made over the last decade or so, particularly in downtown, it's a great quality of life. Mm-hmm. So are the these, arts, the culture, oh yeah. the urbanism. And parks now. Parks, Yeah, exactly. I, I want to get into that in a moment. Are, are these expansions or are these moves? Mostly moves. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing huh. mostly, mostly moves. Uh, pre-pandemic, I would have said it was expansions, uh, kind of testing, dipping your toe in the market. Yeah. But now we're seeing full relocations. And with integrity... I mean, I won't call Cypress Waters a suburb uh, <laughs> because we are friends with our, our friends in Cypress. Um, but certainly we are seeing some coming in from the suburbs, wow. too. So I think that, mm. um, you know, you hear a lot of folklore in the market saying, well, part of the pandemic impact is going to be people are fleeing from downtowns because you're close and you're dense. And now we want to move back out. In reality, we're not seeing that. That was the narrative. That though. was the narrative. It was. And, and not only that, it was, you know, sort of the death knell. Uh, you know, yeah. commercial office space is, is it, it's going down. It's never, it, it's yeah. going to take it a long time to come back. That's not the story that you're seeing, though. That is not the story, particularly that we're seeing here. And I think that's because we've so consciously diversified the downtown market as well. So the crash in the 80s that was really the huge impact that just forced everything to vacate downtown. Um we were primarily finance and energy driven. Mm-hmm. Well, since the revitalization, we now see so many creative services. Our industries are broad. We have a lot more innovation, a lot more tech. Mm-hmm. So we are more fortunate than some of our other Texas city friends who are still very one or two dimensional in their markets. Like so, a, like a, like Houston, uh, Houston, oil, oil uh, still king, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oil and energy. I mean, we, we still have a lot of those traditional industries here too, yeah. Oh yeah. but we're, we're in a much better place to be able to weather these storms with the diverse market that we have. Courtney, zoom out for us. Give us an idea of what downtown Dallas is like, number of residents, number of yeah. hotels, uh, et cetera, because everyone sees a the skyline, they drive around it, they might drive into it and do something if they don't live here. Uh, but this is its own city inside of itself, too. It is. And let's first talk about what downtown is, because I think the, the geographic differences mm-hmm. are one that a lot of people, depending on your perspective, have differing views, right? So downtown, as we define it, is the, the central business district or kind of within the freeway loop. That being said, we are also very cognizant of what you know terminology is terminology, but we call it the city center. So kind of that right. greater two and a half mile radius around that includes Uptown and Deep Ellum and the Cedars and Southside and the Trinity and Harwood. portions of West Dallas and Harwood and Victory Park, um, Northern Oak Cliff, because 
freeways shouldn't be what divide us, mm. right? I mean, I'm not going to argue with you if you're a tenant going in on Ross Avenue no. or a tenant going in just north of Clyde Warren Park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all part of that greater whole, particularly as we're talking economic development outside of this market. So that being said, I'll, I'll kind of give you the stats yeah. in two different ways. So within the downtown core, we have 12,000 residents. Within that greater area, there are 75,000. Mm. Now, coming back to the downtown area, 96, which is kind of a benchmark for us because that's when reinvestment really started happening in a concerted way, 200 residents in downtown. So 200 residents. Wait, in 1996, there were 200 people that lived here? One building. That's unreal. In, in Dallas, Texas. In Dallas, wow. Texas. What a change in not that long wow. of a period. It's really true. And in our history, Dallas has not been a city with a significant downtown residential population, even in the heyday. Even in the 50s, when you had Theater Row and bustling retail districts, we just traditionally aren't a very dense city. So that that change, that 200 huh. to 12,000 has been significant. Hmm. We have another 3,000 units that are under construction. All of our buildings are 90% plus occupied. We are seeing rents going up, which opens up another challenge with workforce housing that I'm sure we can talk mm-hmm. about later. Um, but all of those positive signs that there's still, because that's a question I get a lot, is there too much supply coming into the market? And we're just not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Our occupancy rates are so high. 27 hotels. We opened a hotel that right here at the Thompson mm-hmm. in 2020. We also broke ground on a hotel in 2020, the JW Marriott. So again, when you look at Dallas versus some other markets, the fact that even with the strained hospitality industry, we're opening and breaking ground on projects, another really good position for us. As I told you, 135,000 employees, 4,000 employers, and we're seeing companies moving. I mean, announcements are coming almost by the week now, small leases, large leases. So a lot of, a lot of positivity Four new parks coming online, um, and that's important to the strategic plan you guys have. Huge. Incredibly important. So one of the, the biggest changes, you know, that's one of the other million dollar questions I get a lot. So what's been the biggest change downtown that you've, ever, that you've seen? It's truly going from that commercial office center mm-hmm. to a neighborhood or a series of neighborhoods. And that adding parks, walkability, livability, amenities, the grocery stores, the farmer's market, the things that if you're speaking economically, that companies are looking for because they want happy employees and that we as Dallas residents and downtown residents want to see. It's all those quality of life aspects. And if you haven't been to the farmer's market, by the way, in several years, you must come back down. It's right there uh, behind City Hall uh, in downtown Dallas. And it is a totally remade space. It is a magnet now. You go there on a weekend and that place is hopping. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're seeing 4,000 visitors on the weekends. That was during the pandemic. Wow. During um, the, wow. It, it's outdoors. The yeah. farmer's market and the it. AT&T Discovery District have been two of our most successful spaces through 2020 because of that interactivity between outdoor and indoor and mm-hmm. the amenities that they've brought because people want to get out. And, and mm-hmm. people might not know about the AT&T Discovery District. I, I, I've driven by, but I haven't stopped there and gotten out with the kids or anything. But AT&T, their global headquarters right here in downtown Dallas, they redid the whole front sidewalk, et cetera. It's, not it's all pedestrian sidewalk. in yeah, there it's, now. it's all really cool. $100 million investment. When they made the decision to not only keep but grow their global headquarters here, they determined that they really wanted to have what you would think of, you know, in the, the traditional New York. Mm-hmm, what, yeah. what would a big company like AT&T do in an urban environment? If you would have driven down Commerce Street prior to their renovations, most people probably didn't even realize, unless you look up at the mm-hmm, building, right. that AT&T's global headquarters was there. Right. $100 million investment, turned the whole project inside out. Restaurants, 
performance space, the big media wall. I'll tell you one of this is my little tidbit for Dallasites to do when you want to get back downtown. Come to the National, walk out of the front door of the Thompson Hotel, turn right on Ackerd and look down that corridor because you see the AT&T media wall. Mm-hmm. You'll feel like you're transported to another city, but it's yours and it's wow. incredible. I was going to say that and I didn't want to offend in <laughs> saying that you you do feel like you have walked into yeah. another city like a New York City. And, and it really is about, isn't it, learning what works in other places and taking components of that and creating it here. Uh, because, you know, New York City for a long time has had a lot of residents downtown. It's had a lot of tourists downtown. We're now experiencing that here and you can sort of pick and choose what you want to put in. Absolutely. I mean, you want to take the best of the best and but you want to do it in a way. Dallas is is different. We're mm-hmm. in a central location and you go through all those reasons, you know, no, no geographic things to write home yeah. about, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's and prairie land. not you're right. And a much newer city. That's one of the things that I point to a lot with people. Why is it taking downtown so long to come around? Well, as a city, mm-hmm. we're so much younger than New York and Boston mm-hmm. and some of the more established urban cities that you think about. So we're coming into our own now. And, you know, again, we had hit such an amazing stride pre-COVID and now magnifying glasses on us. And I think that's just going to really start to skyrocket. So let's talk about mobility as well, too. There, there was talk a little while ago about putting a, an underground uh, rail station in over in front of City Hall towards Farmer's Market. Then there's talk about tearing down the the elevated freeway, I-345, that, that separates the CBD, Central Business District, and Deep Ellum. Uh, there's talk about the high-speed rail train. I just saw they, they reached another milestone today uh, as, you know, as we record this. But it, when is this stuff going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is there going to be more light rail downtown? Is this uh, elevated freeway ever going to go down? And if it does, what happens to the traffic? That's right. a great question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I take it every so often. Well, urban planning, again, I go back to the adage, slow and steady. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with the complexities of an urban environment, it's not as easy as building a new project up in Frisco, for example. Right. right. So these projects do take a while. But I will tell you, we're in advanced planning stages on a lot of mobility improvements that are going to be transformational. Hmm. Regionally, the DART second alignment that you mentioned, DART is building a second alignment of light rail through downtown, the majority of which will be a subway. So we'll see that coming. DART is working with the feds right now to put a grant application into the FTA. It's a good time so for that. we're seeing that move forward. I know. As they start talking you, about infrastructure here. You are absolutely right. Between infrastructure dollars coming out, um, as well as just a, a new philosophy at in the administration to be able to award projects. We've been on hold for a little while, so that's coming back. We also are working very closely with TxDOT and the North Central Texas Council of Governments on I-345 and addressing that, that barrier between the farmer's market in Deep Ellum or downtown in Deep Ellum. Uh, there are some public meetings coming up for that project, actually, as they're moving forward with their studies to look at exactly how that elevated freeway is addressed. With I-30, we're really excited about some of those improvements because I-30, the canyon in particular, has been such a barrier to the south. Mm-hmm. And we see the tremendous potential. Some of our greatest development opportunity is south of City Hall. Yeah. And then you move over into the Cedars where you see the connectivity and what Matthews Southwest has developed with Southside and how that's bleeding over into the east side of the Cedars. So addressing I-30 and we're exploring potential decking of I-30, not necessarily replicating Clyde Warren Park, but similar to what's been done in the Southern Gateway. Hmm. We're looking at what is the right way to address that so that we're not just 
improving a freeway, a canyon freeway, that we're really looking on how, at how to connect those neighborhoods. That would open up the entire south, you know, Absolutely. southern part of the skyline area. Absolutely. So we're working really closely with the COG on that, looking at can we build buildings on top of it? Where does it make sense? Uh, fun tidbit. So Dallas Heritage Village, the old was old, Dallas's old city park, right? Mm-hmm. The original city park. We can bridge over I-30 to the east there and almost completely recreate the original historic footprint of Dallas's city park. Huh. Wow. That is incredibly exciting. And that was in one of our first versions of the 360 plan. And we're now planning toward that today. So, like I said, a lot of really exciting projects when it comes to how, that mobility. How confident are you these things are going to happen? I-345, doing something with I-30, the canyon there. Subway. How confident are you? A subway. Yeah. Very confident they will all happen. It's a matter of when. Uh, I do think the time is right. Again, we point to the opportunities of the federal government for infrastructure dollars. Yeah. Uh, the planning, I think what positions us so well now is the majority of the planning's been done. Hmm. So we're in, you know, call it shovel ready, call hmm. it near shovel ready. That's a big I mean, part of it when you start asking for money. And yeah. political will is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have a consensus with political will that understands connectivity from TxDOT to the COG down to City Hall, and then what we've been driving for so long. Every you're, you're, the thoughts of connectivity and connecting neighborhoods and bringing all of this together are now more mainstream versus mm-hmm. just this urban pioneering spirit. And the COG is the North Central Texas Council of Governments. In case people right. hear COG, they don't know what it is, and it's it's representatives from every city and in, in North Texas and, and county. Is that right? Right, right. And they're essentially the conduit to a lot of the federal funding that's okay. coming out and they work closely between the state and the feds. They're kind of that um, conglomeration that of the municipalities yeah. in different regions. Okay. So the North Texas Central Council of Governments is ours. So that handles, you know, how we're going to get around in cars and, and, and subways and trains and so forth. And I know that you can't promise me that I'm going to get my streets back to be able to just get on my bike or my rollerblades and just take over like Main Street like I could in the middle of the pandemic. But how much are you focusing in on that part of the commute? You know, people being able to just get around on foot, on bike, on, uh, you know, rollerblades. No, no, on, no one rollerblades. They, they do. On. They'll come back. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Uh, and, and then also scooters, right. which we don't see littering the sidewalks here like we did. I mean, it was it, they exploded overnight. They were all over the place and then they were just kind of gone. Yeah, so can you kind of bring us up to speed on sure. all that? Sure. Well, first, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the walkability and the micromobility and the block-by-block focus, because at the same time we're focused on these big regional projects, it is absolutely critical that we're paying attention to the local network. Um, I'm, I'm a walker. That's been my passion in this job from day one, and that's what I love about cities, is the ability to walk from block to block and discover new things, and you feel the energy. So as we look at some of those initiatives, one, we have a pedestrian master plan, which I know sounds really exciting, but for (laughs) those of us who are urban planning wonks, it is very exciting because we're looking at what those paths are to be able to walk from block to block and how we activate each storefront and where do we need to improve landscaping and shade and lighting. lighting. Exactly. What does that mean? You mean activate storefronts and stuff like that? So that you have a a contiguous, you have a constant experience. Mm. Why will you walk 30, 45 minutes in New York and not even notice it Mm -hmm. because there's something happening every step of the way. And that's been one of our challenges here. As we've developed, we've developed in nodes. So the farmer's market, Main Street, the arts district. Now we need to fill in those gaps because Mm -hmm. truly you can walk from the farmer's market to the arts district in nine minutes at a leisurely pace. I used to do it with my double stroller and my twins all the time. Hmm. 
but people don't do it because you're walking past vacant parking lots and empty storefronts. So that that ground plane activation is our term. Um, and just bringing that walking experience oh, this is to like, life. This is like the Netflix of city planning. You don't give people any chance <laughs> to get bored. Immediately the next program starts. Whether 100%. You have to make it stop if you want it to stop. So th- that's what you're trying to do is to keep them so engaged that they don't even realize that, oh my God, we've been walking for an hour. 100%. And bikes obviously play a huge role in that. Mm. Um, we just should go check out, if you haven't seen it already, Bike Harwood is a project that we opened during pandemic pandemic and it will eventually connect all the way from Dallas Heritage Village to Clyde Warren Park. Right now we have our first phase which is Dallas Heritage Village to Main Street Garden and it's it's a bike lane. It's a multi-use lane painted green so you can see it with barriers. We slowed traffic down so we can start to make those connections and building more bike lanes is a big priority for us and we push that, that a lot at City Hall. Scooters. Mm. Um, Are we going to see the swarms return? Yeah. <laughs> I think we will ultimately see scooters come back, but in a much more responsible way. Um, I will tell you, we're highly supportive of scooters. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we see in terms of their ability to connect last mile, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, when you're taking the DART train in, for example, and then trying to get to your office. Or for those who live and work in downtown where it's somewhere either you're running late and you can't walk or you just don't want to quite go that far. Scooters are a great resource. My husband, again, when we were in our townhouse, he used to grab a scooter and run over to Royal Blue all the time, Mm -hmm. Farmer's Market to Main Street. So we will see them come back, but obviously they entered the market in an unregulated way, Yeah. um, and we learned a lot of lessons. And then when the pandemic hit, we saw a lot of unsafe use. Mm -hmm. So that's why you saw the dramatic takeout of, of that transportation mode. We're working on getting them back. We're they're working fast. with City Hall, bringing regulations. They're, they're fast and they're fun. They're, they are. I mean, d- Taylor, didn't we go to lunch that way one day? And it was, I, I told uh, our producer Taylor here, that's the most fun I think I've had all week, which is a really sad commentary on my life, number one. But number two, it really is, it's it's a different way to get around and it makes you feel like a kid again. Uh, but yeah. we just have to have the rules first this time. Yeah, ab- you're absolutely right. Like I said, I'm, I'm much more of a walker. Um uh, <laughs> simply because I walk around in heels a lot and I'm always afraid I'm going to crash a scooter and then become a headline. But <laughs> for all the, wrong on the reasons. weekends and things when I've got the tennies on, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely hop on those scooters. So after, after 19 years at downtown Dallas, Courtney, uh, how many rollerbladers do you think you've seen in two decades in downtown? You've seen them, haven't One. you? And it's no. probably Wheeler when he's off. Yeah, it's probably Jason when he's off. But seriously, let me ask you. Let me yeah. ask hey, they him. come out at night, by the way. There yeah, is a group. There is a whole group that does that at night. They 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 skate at night. And they come down I, I, I have seen them at Victory Park. There, yeah. There's like six or seven of them. Oh, no, there's dozens. All right. Oh. Yeah, like the Chupacabra, too. Um <laughs> Courtney, let, let me ask you about parks, because yeah. uh, Dallas is not really known for its parks. The Clyde Warren Park is this, this cool landmark over here. Um, I think of uh, uh, the uh, Triple Underpass area there, a lot of green space there. But there are four new parks opening in downtown Dallas, and one of them is an old parking lot, which is cool it's being changed out, uh, behind the Sheraton Hotel yeah. uh, in downtown Dallas. But four new parks coming online? Yeah, parks are an incredibly important part of what has happened and what will happen in downtown. So we worked with the city, created a Parks Master Plan in 2005, and out of that came some of the signature parks that we all know now. Main Street Garden, Below Garden, Clyde Warren Park was a part of that. The same group, which is now Parks for Downtown Dallas Foundation, 
mobilized to raise a, an additional $40 million mm. to invest in these new parks that are coming in. So we've opened, we opened Pacific Plaza um, just about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Behind the Sheraton there, is that the behind, one? Yeah, or in, yes, that one would be behind. Okay. But then near there's the Carpenter Sheraton. Park that's near the Sheraton too. Okay. So I think you're talk, talking about that one. So Pacific is open. West End Square just opened about a month and a half ago, uh, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a smart park and really a touts itself. Park. It's a smart park. What is a smart park? It's got wireless it's got wi-fi. really powerful wi-fi and wow. an innovation arcade they're bringing in a lot of interactive digital art where is and this? in the west end so the west end is i'm Dallas's, downtown all the time i don't know where this is i, I it's know right where west next end to where is. spaghetti warehouse okay you've been one of these is, work from yeah. home people you 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 need to refamiliarize yourself with downtown dallas jason i'm gonna have to go check this out though it's called uh west end square west end square mm-hmm. yeah west end square and a lot of these things opened during the pandemic the discovery district this building weston square so we are ready to celebrate we're ready for everyone to come back down and see these projects because they are incredible and weston square sitting in the west end is dallas's first innovation district so it's playing off of that theme where we have blue cross blue shields innovation center sam's clubs innovation center so again one of those quintessential questions about downtown what's happening with the west end that's one of the big transformations there is becoming an innovation district Hmm. so i digress West End Square. <laughs> you can wind me up and I will just keep going. That's like Jason too, yeah. so I get it. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so West End Square and then we have Carpenter Park under construction now. That will open the spring of 2022. And then Harwood Park near the Farmer's Market mm-hmm. is the fourth of the parks. And that one will start construction later this year. So wow. really, really incredible. I want to ask you about something else during the pandemic that really uh, had a spotlight put on it. And that was uh, homelessness. A lot of people, you know, of course, had uh, a lot of trouble with their living arrangements and so forth. And, um, you know, we have seen uh, the the plague of homelessness, especially in places like Austin, which has really had a, a tough time grappling with the population that they've got there. Uh What's happening with that in Dallas, and 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 is it instructive when you see what's going on in other cities uh, to, to be able to kind of figure out how to how to do that? Right. Well, I will say one of you know what are other cities doing right, and I think it's obvious throughout the nation that no one is doing it exactly right. Right. I mean this this is an issue that is so complex because you're dealing with mental health, substance abuse, national health care funding, state healthcare funding. I mean, there are just, there's so many different ways. So we as an organization, obviously the downtown area, we have the concentration of services and any urban area is going to have most likely in any city, the concentration of the issue and those are experiencing homelessness. So our perspective is sort of twofold. One, at a strategic level, we're working with the city of Dallas and their office of homeless solutions, as well as Metro Dallas Homeless Alliance and several of our service providers throughout the downtown area for some of those greater longer-term plans, one of which is absolutely housing. Another is more funding for mental health and substance abuse, so more of those those policy-type issues. We're also working on the ground every day, and that's where I really carry a lot of pride for our team. We are traditionally a business and community-based organization. Uh, We, in 2018, decided to pilot a program because we saw there was a gap. Hmm. We did not have people going out into the field in downtown and engaging these individuals on an individual basis to truly understand their challenges. Mm. There's not one solution that fits all. You might meet someone who has a substance abuse issue. You might meet someone who just simply lost their job recently. You might meet someone who's in a mental health crisis. And all of those services 
for the most part, are housed within different nonprofits for solutions. Mm -hmm. So we have a relate and refer program. Our outreach case managers go out into the field. They understand these cases and they refer them to the service providers that fit. And we do that in a dual way with public safety. So if there's an issue with an individual that truly is criminal in nature, then we address that through law enforcement. Mm. But if it's someone who is open to social services and has a a potential for longer term recovery, then we're able to do that. And I think that's the changing nature of police work. This isn't necessarily a new conversation, Mm -hmm. but we're seeing that the old way of doing things is not necessarily working and we need to have longer term solutions. Is that working though? Have you guys got any metrics to show that the, that the you it know, is. individual case by case? Yeah, we are averaging with our outreach just within the last year, about 200 engagements per month. Wow. And we're seeing lot. anywhere from eight to 15 placements per week hmm. wow. out of those engagements. It, so it's, these are people who would otherwise fall through the cracks. Exactly. Exactly. You, you mentioned police work, too, and there's a new police chief in town, um, uh, Chief Eddie Garcia from out in the, yes. uh, the Bay Area. Um, I read it. I'm guilty of reading the Drudge Report every so often. And, you know, Michael Drudge uses the, the mm-hmm. worst headlines in the world. Uh, but, but he talks about, you know, crime. Crime is horrible. Actually, New York Times had an article the other day talking about crime in big cities is bad. So here we are post pandemic. Cities want to get people back. And, and you have the, uh, the crime that's surging in a lot of places. But you guys saw that crime was actually down year to year in 2019 to 2020. Is that right? In the downtown area, we we have seen, I mean, statistically, downtown historically has been one of the safest neighborhoods in Dallas. Uh, the why, majority, why so? Just, I think it's density. It's eyes on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, huh. It's just the nature of being right there in the center city. You just, you don't see as much. Now, our our issues are perception and more quality of life. So when you talk about vagrancy, panhandling Mm kind of has its ebbs and flows. So that's where in an urban area, we we see more of those challenges. Um, But I I do, we just had Chief Garcia at our board meeting right before we sat down today. Yeah, You should have brought him downstairs. I know. Well, it was virtual. We're still virtual. but I, he has some, some really creative ways and is a big supporter of special initiatives because, again, not one size fits all neighborhoods. Right. And that's so true in Dallas. So the issues that we experience downtown are very different, just like every neighborhood in Dallas is different. So he and his command staff are, are very proactive um, and really creative in the way that they approach. Street racing is a great example. Mm. Um, obviously we experienced a, a challenge with that in downtown as well as other neighborhoods in the city. It's a big problem. And, uh, he, he came right into that within his first month and we saw some particular enforcement initiatives around it that helped. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, I think that a lot of us would assume that there's always a competition between downtown Dallas, downtown Houston, you know, San Antonio, Austin, Fort Worth, what, you know, whatever it may be. Is there not? Uh, it, there is. And obviously there is because you're trying to land, you know, uh, different, you know, big companies and so forth. But you work together, too. And um, and as I understand it, you all have been working together with a lot of these other downtown groups across Texas to tackle what you all see as, quote unquote, anti-city tendencies with the legislature. What does that mean, first of all? And have you been successful in in turning some of that back? Right. Well, we yes, we are very collaborative. That's why I kind of shy away talking about any market (laughs) strains in our our friends. Um, 
In fact, my colleague in downtown Houston is one of my mentors. So we we talk as CEOs of major downtown cities on a regular basis. And we started last year, but this year really formalized a legislative agenda for the large Texas urban cities because of that historic challenge of state government between the rural versus urban caucuses and and the policies that come out of that. Um, I will tell you, this legislative session was a challenge to move the needle in a really big way, simply because so much of it was dominated by pandemic and some of you know the the top three issues sort of outside of of where our interests lie right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but where very, we very political way of saying it. Too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. That, that was you saw good. that dance. That was very diplomatic. Good. Nice. Well done. Yeah. Uh, I could. Different joke there, but I'll, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop. You can see stop. the edit, yeah. the edit wheels turning in her yeah, head right uh, now. We'll, we'll cut all that out. I was a number it. two for a number one for a really long time. So uh, yes, I'm I watching understand. Scott cringe over there. I know, right? Um, no. So I think our our goals for this year have really been just to create that presence in Austin. And next year, I think we will really go down there as a consortium and advance more specific legislation but to this year was really about we're here and we want to be heard and we want to advance and and make you all understand how much that cities are driving the state yeah it's the engine i mean these are economic engines huge ones it's kind of strange that you would see any pushback against what are the economic engines but but what do you want What, what do you want the legislature to do maybe next uh next session when they come back well, when we look at policies balancing, again, those those rural goals with those that are urban, because oftentimes you see those in conflict. Right. Um, you know, I think high-speed rail is a great example of one of those, mm-hmm. right? So high-speed rail coming in, great for Dallas, great for Houston, and a lot of the opposition coming from the smaller cities in between has really dominated the state rhetoric. So that's seeing those projects gotcha. get more support. Um, highway funding, transportation funding is another significant one. Rather than just building highways to go through cities, building highways that are gentle on cities and have the type of amenities like deck parks that are more friendly and paying attention to what's happening within the local network versus just getting from city to city to city. Well, yeah, yeah. What do you mean gentle on cities like Clyde Warren Park over here? I mean, exactly. That, okay. All right. right, right. How, how confident are you that the, uh, that light rail is going to happen finally? I think, think especially seeing some more good news come out as you said just a few moments ago uh no we're we're confident in it um they're they have a phenomenal team uh they have passed all of the big hurdles at the state over the last few years that they've needed to pass and the federal government and the federal government um so i think connecting the dallas and houston economies is one of the biggest selling points that both the rail, Texas Central Rail, and those who are involved with it from a development perspective are looking at. It's kind of hard to deny mm-hmm. how important yeah. that could be. There's a reason that big dollars flowed into this project, exactly. uh, private dollars. Yeah, right. it's, it's all privately funded. I think the, the big news was a uh, Texas Central Railway, which is the, uh, you know, the, the, the engine behind it, j- just named a uh, construction company, yeah. uh, I believe, is, is uh, who to go into it. And they designed with WeBuild to serve as the design build lead for this uh, for this project. So we're we're waiting to see when that's going to happen. Of course, the the pandemic uh, delayed that. Here's my last question for you, Courtney. Um, I, I lived in a downtown city center on the 14th floor for a long time in another city. Um, Which city was it? <clears throat> it was in St. Louis. St. Louis. 
and uh, we're gonna make you name cities too, like you made her name one earlier. Oh, I, I, hey, my you know friend what? Maggie Campbell used to run downtown St. Did Louis. She? Yeah. Well, St. Louis was very different when I was there. So I was there in the 1990s, and um, the, the the St. Louis Rams were there. They just won the Super Bowl. The uh, Mark McGuire was hitting the the home run record. So uh, there's a lot of sports going on, but you know there was a lot of stuff that they needed to fix. They have since fixed that. Downtown St. Louis is fantastic now. But one thing that I always had an issue with in downtown St. Louis, and it's an issue that I think happens in, in a lot of major cities, is grocery stores. Mm. And I know there's the the Walmart just north of the skyline here. There's the uh, Kroger on Haskell. There's two Tom Thumbs downtown. There's now. a Royal Blue and Tom Thumb just open um, over here by the El Phoenix by the Perot Science Museum. Yes, Th- that's huge. Um, are, are there any others coming? There's uh, another one over by Deep Ellum or in, in the east uh, part. Uh, on the, yeah, the old, what used to be called the City Lights development. Yeah. yeah there are, it's, it, grocery store's so important. Yeah. So I was involved, if you remember, Urban Market, uh, which was our first attempt by at a grocery AT&T. store over on that Jackson was, Street. I used yeah. to go there to eat at night all yeah. the time. That place was fantastic. And that came on, it, it's a chicken and egg. Mm-hmm. To get a grocery okay. store, yeah. you have to have enough residents to support it. But to attract the residents to support it, you need the grocery store. Yeah. So Urban Market, I think, was actually a really visionary effort by the developer. The city supported it. Uh, we actually raised some additional funds for it because you have to get off the starting line at some yeah. point. And so that started the trajectory. Um, I think post maybe six, eight months from now, um, I think we were about to have a couple more announcements in the what? core right before the pandemic happened. Go ahead and bring you it, can do it early. Yeah, you yeah. can do it early. All it takes here. Uh, nothing signed on the dotted line yet. But we have more beer. We can crack something. I know, open right? There. Give me that Paloma. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes that makes the information flow more freely. Um, that's so, big, that's big news, though. That's encouraging. It is. It is big news. I mean, and and it's coming with the rate that our residential population is growing. But I will say again, living in the farmers market for as long as I did, utilizing the farmers market as our grocery store. Oh. I even over in Oak Cliff now, I still come to the farmers market. Mm-hmm. probably once every weekend to pick up some things. So there are plenty between Royal Blue and the Farmer's Market, now Tom Thumb at the Union, the Kroger on the east side. It's it's a much different picture than it was five, mm. ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago, the Urban Market here. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, and I loved Urban Market. What, what, did, what happened with Urban Market? It was simply ahead of its time. Okay. We, we knew, yeah. and the developer knew, and the operator knew. It was a risky venture, and again, we were really, really trying yeah. to answer that chicken and egg. Great place, though. Yeah. Somebody's got to be the tip of the spear, though, and they right. and they sort of did that. Yeah. Uh, my last question for you is, I, I know that you all have a lot of things that are working all of the time, and maybe you can't tell us about all of them, uh, but are there some really big relocation slash expansions that you're working on right now, like really big? I mean, mm-hmm. like Amazon or the White House or <laughs> the... Yes. What are you thinking, Jason? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> are you serious? Look, Jason's thinking, eyes no. just opened up. <laughs> yes, there are. And no, I can't talk a lot about them. No, there, there's the interest, again, pre-COVID, because of the national attention that downtown Dallas received with Amazon HQ2, mm-hmm. Uber Move, mm-hmm. National Spotlight was on us. Mm-hmm. So now that companies, I think we had about six months where companies were sort of hovering and saying, are we going to come back to the office? What is it going to look like? Do we actually need to move? now constrained in other markets mm. are saying we are going to come back. I mean, the predominant, our surveys and anyone we talk to, the predominant thinking is 
we will be a work from office culture with more flexibility. So you may see some super high tech firms that never come back. We, we have a couple of smaller ones who aren't, Mm -hmm. but the majority of companies are coming back and they're saying, we need to come back in a place where it's easier to do business and where our employees are going to be happy. And we wholeheartedly believe that that's downtown Dallas. Now, what I can talk about are some really exciting development projects that are going to bring those companies in. Hmm. The Dallas Morning News headquarters, old headquarters, and the revamp there. That's, that's right next to us. What's going by, on? Yeah. What, what is happening there? We don't know. So they are building in the, the doll building. They're going to do some event space to feed off of the convention center. And hmm. then eventually they'll put a boutique hotel on top of that project. They're, wait, 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 wait. The doll building. Was, okay. Hold on. Pause here. So George Dahl was a famous architect who yes, did a lot of Fair Park, you. and and he designed the DMN, the Dallas Morning News the building. building. Mm-hmm. Is, or is, is that going to be a hotel on top of the Morning Eventually, News? Eventually, yes. So really? it's going to start with taking the old Dallas Morning News offices and turning it into really amazing event space. Hmm. The whole project's being done by Ray Washburn and yeah. Matthew hmm. Southwest. So we know two very quality developers. So it will be driven by that um, entertainment space. And then, of course, we know Ray for his restaurant businesses for Highland Park Village. So imagine that entire area being transformed wow. into open space, performance space, plenty of parking, then building hotel, mixed use, residential, additional parking, and that, along with its connectivity across I thirty over into the South Side development. If you can see the geography mm-hmm. and the fact that those two teams are teamed up, it's going to be another huge corridor for us. With Great potential. Well, when is that mm-hmm. going to happen? When, when is that? Uh, They've already started demolition on the interior of the building. Uh, so they're moving forward with it right now. The event space will come first mm-hmm. in the Dallas Morning News building. And then over the next three years, they'll continue to build out the remainder wow. of the project. Yeah, I've actually seen people uh, showing up and leaving there. Again, you need to come back to work, yeah. Jason. If, if the building's good, maybe you can rollerblade inside. Who, no, who knows, man? There, yeah. there's, there's a lot of space D- in don't there. Don't tempt me, but it is time for you to put your pants back on and return to work. And, Courtney, your uh, your chief of communications and policy is like trying to usher you off the microphone really fast here, so we're, we're, we're probably out of time. We've probably uh, taken three times the amount of time we told you. He's like, you, you should oh, no, talk about any of that. I could sit here. I don't think I'm like, wait, we haven't <laughs> talked about Field Street District. He's we telling us you need to edit this out There's oh so much, look at this no why scott oh, is this. hovering wow is because we understand this is the is 101st awesome. episode we this. want it to be 100 but we'll take 100 you know why it's 101 because their trailer actually is technically number one i don't think that was real so the this trailer, should be so this 100. is 100 technically right here and, and we have a one and a zero and a zero, and a zero because this you brought is a lot coming of out of this is great. That is, that is awesome. fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you for celebrating the return of the city. We have with cupcakes us. here. We have cupcakes from a, a downtown, a, a down, yes, a, a downtown uh, bakery, right? Yes, from Fluellen's Cupcakes. Fluellen's right here cupcakes. on Elm Street. They awesome. are a phenomenal family owned business. Support local. Support local. Yes. And these are tremendous. And that is awesome. Very large. I will have so. to bike 10 miles tomorrow to, to work off so one of these a, things. a Texas blonde with a chaser of a cupcake. That is a great <laughs> afternoon right there. This is this is great. We have, uh, yeah, this, this has been fantastic. It's like, a, what is it, a four-hour podcast? How long have we been going here? Yeah. This is probably the longest podcast we've ever done. Yeah, this is uh, our producer saying, okay, wrap this thing up. <laughs> Courtney, thank you for taking this time with us. I mean, this it's stunning how much is happening right underneath us here, and, and really we don't is. really realize it until we have somebody like you on explaining all of it to us, but it matters to all of us. Courtney Garrett's the president of Downtown Dallas, Inc. We are at Catbird, which is in the National Building on... 
Elm and Elm and Ackard. Elm, Elm and Ackard. El, as they call it here, Elm and Ackard. Elm and Ackard. And check out their bar top. It is just amazing. And if you're here, come look for Zach as well, too. Zach's a good guy. And this place is fantastic. It's it's the Thompson Dallas Hotel in here. Also, mm-hmm. downtown Dallas, Inc. is in here. Um, I've learned a lot. I, I've lived like right next to downtown for 14 years, and there's so much stuff here that I did not know. So, Courtney, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening as well. We will uh, look for you guys again next week. Appreciate you listening for 100 episodes, too. 101. 101 now. Have a cupcake.